this is the the podcast that really does think Matt Hancock is fucking useless. It is absolutely. <laughs> I'll bleep that out. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get through that. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. This is part two of our latest news because the by-election obviously took up a whole episode as we were so giddy and happy. My name is John Potter. I'm the leader of the Press and Liberal Democrats and host of the Lib Dem podcast. You can also find on this lovely chat, we have Sam Alhamdani from uh, Oldham. Hi, Sam. Hello. And we have Richard Kemp. CBE, MBE, I forgot which one it is, Richard, now. MBE, I'd have sent it back, do you know? Oh, right, there we go, <laughs> from the Liverpool Lib Dems. Um, this is obviously just going to talk about some of the other news that's been going on at the moment. Obviously, there's, there's been absolutely loads, lots of serious issues, so we decided just to do this as a little separate episode because it didn't kind of match in with our happiness and joy to do with um, to do with the by-election victory. And Sam, you in particular wanted to talk about the new re- report about the police that's just come out. Well, yeah, I was talking about that this was on uh, the uh, sort of rape victims overall system because not just this report, it's just been a succession of reports. Um, you know, we've had uh, stuff from everyone's invited. So we had the Ofsted investigation that just came back and basically said, if your school is working on the basis that is not sexual abuse and harassment is not happening in your school, you're working on the wrong basis. If you don't know it's there, it's there and you don't know about it. But And then going back from that, and there's just been this this succession in in the same way. And that's happened at the same time that the domestic abuse bill has been, has been coming in and has done some really good things, but then had things missing. And I was just, I really wanted to kind of go, look, you know, this is such a failing by the Conservative government. I mean, it is horrific. And and I was so angry about it. I was like, no, we're, we're, this is this needs to be attacked and it needs to be done better. Um, I'm just, I'm so angry about it. I really am. And, and, and I can't tell you how upset I am at the people who have been failed for years by just a lack of investment in the police, a lack of uh, training for people to enable victims to come and talk to people just needs completely overhauling, completely changing. Um, And we are, because we have this local government power base. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on a roll. But um, um, we have such a strength in local government. And you really do have, as if you're a Liberal Democrat in local government, you have the opportunity to make a change on this. Um, There is... Um, uh, funding available uh, for from the Home Office for tackling violence against women and girls. At the moment, there is a bidding process going on. If you are a Liberal Democrat in local government, make your council go and bid for that money. I know we're going to be doing that. Um, but also be out there talking to the schools because, oh, sorry. There you go. It was keep a brand. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> We need to change this. We need people to to stop and look at the way that people have been uh, abandoned. I really have been abandoned on this. You know, when I, I know that rape, um, uh, the the rates of conviction for rape are low everywhere, but I mean they're staggeringly low. You know, the S, when when the conviction rate is around what is it, one point six percent, and yet 
That's hundreds just, that's just of those being charged. That's not even conviction rate. That's just yeah. those who have even been charged. And that's and that's out of yeah, and then that's out of not out of the people who we think have been raped. You know, that's out of cases that we I'm just it's it's and just so uh the, the audiences know what we're talking about. So there, there were 128,000 victims of rape or attempted rape uh, last year. Only 20% of them get reported uh, as a crime. 1.6% get charged. And in case anyone is of the opinion, well, are some of these malicious made up uh, home office researchers, only 3% are, are dubious in that regard. We are completely failing these on majority women who uh, are the victims here. So, Richard, um, you're, you, you've you've had to deal with councils and and this sort of issue for a very long time. What what what's your opinion of this? Uh, on the substantive issue, uh, I think it's much more involved than the police. What you the figures you gave out are absolutely appalling. I'm, I'm not disputing that in any way. But I think the real problem is the way that we still objectify women and we do it in a, 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 a massive number of ways. I don't watch the television very much, but the number of uh, adverts I've seen lately uh, for women's perfumes and in fact for men's with scantily clad women on them uh, and if we start doing that, I've seen several other adverts in which we pay people uh, to promote products by uh, beautifying their body and using their body uh, as a tool. And if we do that and the big boys and girls in businesses do it, then that's going to impact on, on everyone in society. So I think it's a fundamental failure of the way that we as society treat women, which means that some people think that they can rape them because they're just a sex object, which means that women who've been raped find it very difficult to report it because they don't think they're gonna get it. So this is highly complex and it isn't short term. It isn't just the Tory government, Sam. Mm -hmm. This has been going on forever, I should think, but certainly as long as uh, I know. Sam, do you wanna come back? Yeah, I, and uh, yeah, I take that completely on board. I what I would like to do is, is I'm going to signpost people. If you, you know, I said if you're uh, in local government or whatever, you know, um, I do some work with Our Streets Now, which is just an amazing campaigning organisation um, that wants to criminalise um, street harassment. Um, but not just them. I mean, um, Survivors Trust. Uh, rape crisis the the a refuge mm -hmm. in particular refuge i mean there are so many organizations out there and doing such good campaigning work and they are prepared to sort of sit down and work with you and help you to deliver solutions in your area i literally yeah. I, you know this morning i got an email off the uh, one of the uh, campaigners who runs our streets now going are you aware of this? Can we help you? You know, if you if you work with these organisations, like they they will help you to build your community better. Yeah. Mm. And and I think what the I mean, the articles are all online for people that want to uh, read them as well. But what the it seems to be from the victims' charities is that this review has been a missed opportunity. And yeah. I think that's I think and you know. I'm very conscious we're now just three men on this call, but you know, 
as a society, we must do better. I think is 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 the answer. But um, well, it is a man's problem that's mm. inflicted on women. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't want wouldn't want to mix with people. So of course I would. But we tend to think of this as a woman's problem. It isn't. They're the ones in the receipt of this. And it's yeah. it's men that must change, not women. Yeah, and it came, that came. I mean, I'm a, a I'm a fairly biggish guy. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a heavy set, nearly six foot tall. And I I became very aware that if it was a dark road and there was a lone girl and I was walking behind them, that yeah. my behaviour might be I should actually cross the road actually and and actually just just be a little bit more conscious of what someone my size can be unintentionally be intimidating um uh, and but yeah i mean we'll we'll probably deal with this more with particularly you know we've got lessons we can learn from the lib dem women's group and stuff like that and i'm absolutely sure people like lisa hannah and laura would like to come Mm. on this and discuss it as well but no but it is it is an important news item and in a way the fact it's been so well highlighted in the press and it's come up and so that you know maybe let's be optimistic that something might be done about it um move there's, there's no way of doing a, an easy segue from that topic but we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about um kind of doing something about it let's talk about dominic cummings because he has what do we make of the cummings revelations that matt hancock is useless and the text does it do you think it's changing the dial at all or do pe- i mean cummings's reputation on the public is terrible anyway you know he has an awful reputation but is it forcing the government to move away from vaccines, which they've successfully kind of moved territory onto, back to the horrendous decisions they made at the start? Uh, Richard, do you have a, a thoughts on this? Uh, I think that uh, if we refer it to our last podcast, which was all about uh, uh, the by-election, of course, where we stormed away and took the seat from the Tories, uh, the revelations have been in the last fortnight from Cummings, mm-hmm. and there's very clearly been an upturn in the Lib Dem fortunes in Amersham and Chesham in that time. So one wonders uh, whether or not the biggest effect of this is the chipping away in floating voters' minds of the integrity of the Conservative Party, and in particular their leader. So the precise details of who said what and when aren't as important as the absolute turmoil, nastiness, bitchiness, which clearly exists at the top of the Labour Party, and people don't like that. So uh, I think that he may well have moved the narrative, but onto the morals and leadership qualities of the Tory party. Sam? Yeah, I think think that... Part about it being the the people in in the middle ground who it's actually going to shift the dial for because there's a huge amount of confirmation bias in in so much of what we see in politics, especially because you know anything on social media, what you see is the extremes of that opinion, and so what the reactions that you get are, and see that really visibly are the ones from people who either are massively in favour of the Conservative Party or massively against the Conservative Party. And it's and it is really interesting that it's for people who are much quieter and I think are more concerned about that sort of that dignity and that respect and that moral moral centre that actually 
there'll probably be a much quieter but more influential impact on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah, and I yeah, I think you both I think you're both right. I think, you know, it's it's that drip drip effect that will that will hurt the Tories, particularly with people like we've just seen in Amateur and Chesham, who are haven't this isn't new for them. They've had a Tory MP for a very well, they did have a pay, they did have a, a Tory MP for a very long time, and they don't need much to get pushed off them, it would seem at the moment, particularly mm. that type of because the one nation, as we've mentioned in the podcast, conservative voter. Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praterains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. This podcast has been sponsored by the Katora Coffee Club, the UK's most environmentally friendly coffee club. There are over 400 independent roasters in the UK, each one crafting coffee in their own unique style. Katora Coffee Club works with some of the best to take you on a voyage of coffee discovery. The Katora Coffee Club delivers ethically sourced and independently roast coffee directly to your door. Each month you'll receive between two and four bags of coffee and their monthly extract magazine. Even better for Lib Dem podcast listeners, use the code BETTERCOFFEE to save 5% on subscriptions and gift boxes for a limited time only. All Katora Coffee Club boxes are carbon negative and offset the CO2. So why not do some good, enjoy some great coffee and check out the website www.katoracoffeeclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. Let's quickly go on to two combined issues, which is Brexit northern ireland and the australian trade deal i mean that's I mean, three issues that is three issues because <laughs> uh, I, I added the australian trade deal at the end my counting can usually get to three because <laughs> they're all kind of linked and we will do uh, me and richard obviously have had interviews in the past with the alliance party and with uh, irish uh, senator john mccann um we will again be reaching out to colleagues across the irish sea to do chats about this because it's just I mean, let's talk about the DUP. I mean, that, is, that I mean, that's almost UKIP leader style departure for um, was it Edwin Poots um, in terms of made Joe Swinson look like a stayer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or Tim Farrow. Tim Farrow made a brilliant joke about it. He said I lasted longer than that, so which was very funny of Tim Farrow to put that on. But it 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 makes me very worried about what's that the destabilization of that vote in Northern Ireland makes me nervous about what's to come. You're partly right, I think. I mean, I can remember during the referendum campaign doing something in a venue on the river, and I said, just look over there and I'll tell you what's going to happen. Because over there was the Irish ferry terminal, and it had one uh, ferry to go to Belfast and one to go to Dublin. And I said, there's going to be a border, bloody rubbish! Uh, it's going to start in Birkenhead. Bloody rubbish. 
and it's going to break the group fighting agreement. Ah, oh, you're lying. You haven't got a clue. Now, this wasn't me being hyperbolic. Well, it was just then, but it wasn't at the time. This was just obvious facts. I'm not quite as concerned as you are because you gave the right analogy there, John, that the DUP, there's a Trumpian and UKIP element to that. Look what's bubbling under the surface in Northern Ireland. It's a repudiation of that extremism and the movement towards our friends, our sister party in Northern Ireland, the Alliance Party. So I think, yes, there are dangers in Irish politics in, in, in more ways. You have to be brave to be an Irish politician in a way that none of us uh, have to. But I think that what will happen is that the Alliance Party will be strengthened, but the extremists will still go on the street. So we'll have a democratic process and an anti-democratic process as a result of this. And Sam, this all comes about partly because of the G7 and how... Britain can deal with the, the new the Brexit deal going forward. And it is utterly astonishing that the Tories are blaming this on the EU. This was their oven-ready, brilliant deal that they negotiated and somehow it's being forced upon them by the EU. Yeah. I, I mean, I, part of this, it's interesting, we talked about messaging and we talked about narrative, and I hate actually using narrative as a thing because actually it more becomes visible in hindsight. But they've tried to establish a narrative. They've tried to drive this through. Now, if you go through the detail of what was agreed, everything in this was inevitable, 100% inevitable. Whether they get away with it comes down to whether they can override the, the facts with the narrative. And, that, and that's what they're trying to do. And that's what they've been able to do so far. Frustratingly, that is what they've done so well. Um, and and you see things which do enable you to go, this might not, you know, manage to carry on. Like we just talked about Dominic Cummings. That is an example of that narrative kind of getting out of their control and suddenly the facts annoyingly starting to come through. Mm-hmm. And that if you if you are trusting narrative over reality, that is always a danger for you. Except that eventually the reality will pile up because it's being delivered in real terms and in real timing to particular communities. It started with the fishermen. It's going through to the farmers. Now, they're not going to be taken away with this because they can see their trawlers being laid up and their cows being uh, not replaced. So eventually there'll be another constituency and another constituency and another constituency where reality takes over from rhetoric. Perfect example that, Richard. You segue perfectly to the farm, which is obviously this Australian deal, is the fact that we've seen, you know, reality hits with the fishermen and all the the, the spin in the world isn't going to save farming communities that I was brought up in, in a tiny little village, farming village called Gilgarran in Copeland, as we, talk, we talked about in the last podcast. The realities of it are those farmers are going to struggle to survive. And yeah. no amount of spin or BS from the government, when that reality hits, that's it. You know, and Northern Ireland is a classic of the first example. You know, I, I, we, I mean, the Northern Irish elections are next year. If it continues as we expect, and the DUP look like they're going to have an absolute torrid time for, as the people that enabled this to happen, 
then that reality, hope, when we touch wood, all of us that be that believe that Brexit was a damn stupid idea, is going to come true in 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 England as well and Wales and well Scotland is an, is another case is slightly different. But and I think Sam, do we just have to be we have to be bold in what we say about this? I mean, for example, the the, the RSPCA put a fantastic graphic out on their social media saying all the stuff that is currently banned in the UK but isn't banned in Australia, and that is about to flood in to the UK. Yeah, I think I think we do have to be bold and, and confident about, uh, about our own position in this, but without being... Preachy. Without denying people their voice. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, so many people have felt, and part of the reason why they vote, or for some people, I don't want to homogenise them. There's so many different reasons why people voted for Brexit, but a lot of people voted because they didn't feel listened to. Mm. And if we and if we go out and we're confident about what we're saying, it has to be done in a way which still listens to people and goes, I appreciate your problems. You know, you had, you are right to feel abandoned we can offer you something different. But one of the problems with that, Sam, and I do agree with you for most people, there is an incredible number of people who, as soon as they mention Brexit, I just walk away from because there's no point in talking to them. And it, it's not the odd crank. We're always used mm. to people with extreme positions. Some people will say, we're people with extreme positions. But there's a group of people who uh, watch war movies, think we saved the world, think we fought Europe by ourselves, think we should return to Churchillian times, and Johnny Foreigner, particularly brown and black Johnny Foreigner, should be grateful that we've been associated with them. And um, that's 20% of the people. It's, it, it's a big number. Yeah. Mm. And I think, it, it, well, we, we, we've talked about this on the, on the podcast previously, you know, there's... There's a line to draw. You want to be confident in yourself. It doesn't mean you're, you're aggressive to people who have different views to you, but you have to also accept there are some people, no matter what you do, are not going to vote for you and you're not going to agree with. So you have to kind of, yes, you can listen, but you know that that is a point. You know, I, I remember talking to someone who, you know, weirdly enough, actually was still going to vote for me and just said, you know, we need to prepare for the coming war with the Muslims. Yeah. There's not a lot I can meet in the middle there with him, really. But you know, and that and that's part of that's part of being a politician and campaigner. And you go from one to the other because I remember being very depressed in a war that we only just failed to gain this time. In twelve doors, I met three people who went on from Brexit to denying there was a coronavirus and yeah. that it was all made up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and then the next night it was better. <laughs> there was just no point in talking to these people. Yeah, it, but. That is life as a politician. That sometimes you get extreme views. But what we are saying is obviously whatever's going to happen with Brexit, you know, it's going to get real very, very soon for a lot of people. And actually, coronavirus has given the government a little bit of cover in yeah, terms of yeah. some of the horrendous economic stuff that will occur from things has been stayed off by things like the furlough scheme and stuff like that. So, you know, but as Lib Dems, we need to be prepared. We don't want to be preachy. We don't tell people they were wrong. We say the people that lied to you were wrong. Uh, and this is an important analogy. Again, I can do a plug for our fantastic Patreon-only episode with Sam and I, where we talk about how you message this stuff. If people are wondering, well, how do I get that message across? 
do check that out. But this was just a, a quick, short, sharp other news ones, because obviously we've been delighted with the news of the by-election. Thank you to Richard, to Sam for staying on and doing the extra half hour with this. Do follow everything to do with the Lib Dem podcast at, at Lib Dem Pod. Do follow Sam and Richard on social media. They are on there. Always worth a, a watch and a, and a follow to get what's going on in Liverpool and Oldham. Um, and if you want, you can follow me as well. Oh, he's gone. He's that, that's... <laughs> No, he's back. <laughs> well, wow, I was I was drawing that out, but thank you. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, brutal. Your ending Sam was better there. than you starting on this one. All, all I was going to do was say thank you and goodbye, and then you know, no, I'm done. He's a guy that leaves the cinema before the credits come on. That's <laughs> but I never leave before standing up for the national anthem. So I think that's very important. Yeah. But have a great uh, have a great rest of your day, folks. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and thank you, Richard and Sam. Bye.